Good evening and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Well, we're back again and this is game week two of the EFL season with plenty of matches to listen to uh, over the next hour, uh, interviews, uh, analysis and just generally a nice commentary on the second week of the EFL, the same week that we saw the return of the Premier League and more importantly, the Van Rama National League. Although the result of Yeovil is something we're not going to dwell on too heavily tonight. Uh, you can listen to other shows uh, to hear plenty about uh, Yeovil's recent performance away at Scunthorpe United. So let's jump straight to it with the EFL Championship. And just like beforehand, we're going to result, uh, go through the results each in turn. Bit of analysis and then a few interviews dropped in. Birmingham City 2, Huddersfield Town 1. Goals from Scott Hogan and Prozemej Law Plaschketa gave Birmingham their first win under new boss John Eustace and continued Huddersfield's poor start to the season. Striker Hogan put the hosts ahead after five minutes with a superb diving header from Janino Bakuna's cross. And Polish winger Plaschketa scored just before the interval, his first goal since arriving on loan from Norwich last month. Danny Ward pulled one back in the second half, but the visitors were unable to find an equaliser. Huddersfield, beaten by Forest in last season's Championship playoff final, as we all know, have now lost both of their games under new boss Danny Schofield, who took charge after Carlos Corbron resigned in July. They were disjointed in the opening 45 minutes, and the second goal came as a result of some dismal Terriers defending. After Tom Lees was caught out by a ball over the top, Hogan's cross was overhit, but still found both Jordan James and Placata unmarked at the far post. James's effort was blocked and Placata's follow-up was weakly palmed into the net by keeper Lee Nichols, who should have done much, much better. Schofield's side were much better after the restart and reduced the deficit just after the hour mark when a slick move culminated in Sorber Thomas finding Ward, who fired home. They then, put, they then put Birmingham under pressure and had appeals for a late penalty ignored when Jordan Rhodes went down in the box, but Eustace's team held on. Norwich City won. Wigan Athletic won. Max Ahrens rescued Norwich with a second-half equaliser as they had to settle for a point against Wigan Athletic in their first home game of the season. Dean Smith's side made a confident start, but they were stunned when a defensive error led to James McLean giving the visitors the lead. Timu Puki almost won it for the Canaries with a curling strike against the crossbar, but Wigan held out for their second draw following last week's goalless stalemate against Preston. Norwich, promoted as champion in their past two second-tier campaigns, were looking to avoid a fourth successive home defeat, having lost their final three Premier League games at Carrow Road last term. And boss Dean Smith, seeking greater midfield creativity following last week's defeat at Cardiff, included midweek signing Marcelino Nunes in his starting lineup, with Ben Gibson replacing the suspended Grant Hanley. Norwich knocked the ball about confidently at the start against a side who were two divisions below them last season, and Pukki scored 10 goals in his previous 12 home games in the Championship, soon showed why the threat he poses by outmuscling Chris Tilt and firing just wide of the target. The Latics were content to sit back, stay disciplined and kept their shape for the opening 20 minutes. And Chile international Nunes showed why he was capable with a deft chip over the top for Rashika, who tried to lob Ben Amos, who could not direct it on target. Suddenly, though, Wigan won the ball in the Canaries' half and Will Keane played in Callum Lang, whose shot was beaten away by the onrushing Tim Krull. Norwich did not heed the warning, and when Gibson carelessly gave the ball away to Keane following a throw-in, he found the unmarked McLean, who slipped the ball through Krull's legs for the opener. 
Wigan's confidence grew as a result of the goal, and although the home side produced 11 shots in the opening half, only one was on target, and there were some boos from the crowd as they walked off at the interval. Rashid could test Amos straight from the restart, but the powerful Josh McGuinness soon forced another mistake out of the Norwich defence. And Krull had to kick away his powerful shot from an angle, with the excellent Keane again providing the assist. Canary's left-back Dimitris Giannoulis set went off with what appeared to be an ankle injury following a touchline challenge with Lang, and the lengthy delay may have affected Wigan's concentration as Aarons levelled the score. Norwich felt they should have had a penalty when Aarons was tackled strongly in the area by Tom Naylor, although the defender did make contact with the ball, but anyone who has seen the pictures on social media recently know just quite how high that tackle was on the shin, but I do appreciate he did make contact with the ball. Uh, let me know what you think, because... Uh, I really could go either way on the decision. Pookie rattled the woodwork from Todd Cantwell's pass before 10 minutes of added time, and Smith threw on his second South American import, Brazilian Gabriel Sara, to try and force a winner. Sara produced a brilliant drag back, but Tilt threw himself in the way of the shot, and Cantwell blazed the follow-up over the bar. Let's see what Dean Smith had to say after the match. Well, Dean, the, uh, the points are shared in our first home game of the season. How do you sum it up today? Um... A step in the right direction performance-wise, obviously not result-wise. Uh, they've nicked a point, we've lost two. Um, we've made two mistakes for two of their chances, uh, for their only two chances really. Um, and for 30 minutes it was relentless, more of what we wanted to see. And we, we should have been taking you know, one of our chances then. Uh, we didn't. Um, but I thought... Their goal, not the stuffing out of everybody within the ground at that time, and it became a little bit messy for 15 minutes. But we got them rallied at half time, and Milos has gone and chased the kickoff down and had a chance after 15 seconds. And we had loads of possession, um, but didn't create big enough chances. Uh, but with the, the, the one time we've worked the ball really well from one side to the other, and quickly, uh, Max has scored a great goal. And, um, you know, the I don't understand how we're not walking away with a penalty as well because, you know, Maxi's shin and I've seen the, the tackle back. It's a, it's a dreadful tackle and should be a penalty. Um, but, you know, we, we spoke in the in dressing room after and the players agreed. It's a step in the right direction performance-wise, but, you know, we can certainly get better. Marcelino Nunez got plenty of minutes. Gabriel Sara came on. Um, what do you make of those two? Will they gel a bit more over the coming weeks with the team? Yeah, they will. I thought, you know, Marcy for the first 30 minutes was a catalyst of uh, the good things. He played a really good ball over the top from Milos early on. Um, you know, he can see a pass. He wants to get on the ball. He wants to move it. Naturally, he tired. He only came into the country a few days ago. Um, so that 75 minutes, whatever it was, will, will, have, um, will be really good for him. And Gabby managed to get on as well for 10 minutes as well, 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, we saw a sign of him. He got a shot in. He, he switched to play really well. So, you know, they're getting to understand how the way we want to play. And, um, you know, they'll get better for it. Oh, now Hernandez always shows real strength. Dano Sanani's got good vision on the ball. Um, you know, the, the pieces of the jigsaw there, it's just about trying to put them together at the moment. Yeah, and we are. Um, you know, we've, we've got some good players at the football club now. Um, you know, with 22 attempts, we should be scoring more goals than we did today. Um, but they played, as everybody saw, a low block for, for long periods. And we still, you know, fashioned 22 attempts on their goal um, and should have had one, maybe two penalties. So, it, as I say, it's a step in the right direction performance-wise, but we certainly can be better and the lads will be better for it. 
How's Dimmy? Because I heard it didn't look too good. Yeah, he's got he's uh, he's he's stood stuck in the turf and gone over on his ankle. So he's with the medical staff at the moment. We we wish him well and hope he's not too serious. Yeah, wish him a speedy recovery. And Birmingham up next now on Tuesday. So you know, not much time to regroup and go again in the cup. No, I think uh, the game's come thick and fast now. Um, you know, we're thankful. You know, it was, it was packed out here today and the noise was brilliant. Um, you know, a little bit deflated, obviously, like everybody when they, we conceded a, a sloppy goal. And you know, we've got to be better in possession in our half than we were for their two two big chances. Um, you know, but the the fans got behind us today and got us back in it. You are listening to Three Valleys Radio, your local and worldwide community sports radio station. Find us at www.threevalleysradio.com. And with that, we move on to Bristol City 2, Sunderland 3. Debutant Ellis Sims scored twice on his debut as Sunderland came from 2-1 down to beat Bristol City in a pulsating championship clash at Ashton Gate. The Everton loanee began his loan spell at the Wearsiders in excellent fashion with the opener after just four minutes. But just six minutes later, Andreas Weiman levelled as City created some good early chances. Chris Martin put the hosts ahead six minutes after the break, but Sims levelled soon after and then forced a superb save from Dan Bentley. Ross Stewart headed Alex Neal's men in front again before Dan Ballard superbly blocked an effort from City's Rob Atkinson, while Millwall missed a good chance. Millwall, while Martin missed a good chance as the hosts tried in vain for an equaliser. Having drawn one all with Coventry City last week, the win was Sunderland's first in the second tier since a 3-0 win over champions Wolverhampton Wanderers on the final day of the 2017-18 season. Bristol City's defeat means they have lost their opening two league games for the first time in seven years. Robin's boss, Nigel Pearson, has planned had planned to name an unchanged side from the one that lost at Hull last week, but Matty James was injured in the warm-up, so Han Noah Masengo deputised and 15 seconds in the French midfielder was fouled by Corey Evans to see what may well became the fastest yellow card of the season. The high-tempo start to the game continued when a loose back pass by Cal Naismith was intercepted by Stewart, who found Sims on the edge of the box, and the 20-year-old blasted home in the bottom corner. City's Jade Silva had a good effort saved before Vyman marked his 150th appearance for Bristol with his second goal in as many games as Zach Viner found the Austrian, who took a touch and powered home just inside the penalty area. City could have made it 2-1 three minutes later, but De Silva dragged his shot wide, while Martin had an effort cleared off the Sunderland line by Jack Clark after good work by Alex Scott. Sunderland ended the half well as Sims blasted over, but before Evans had an effort well saved by Dan Bentley. But it was City who started the second half better, as Martin's close-range effort trickled over the line after a cross from Vyman. But again, a quick equaliser followed as England under-20 forward Sims, whose, own, whose only Everton appearance came for a depleted Toffees side in a one-all drawn at Chelsea last December, shot through Bentley's legs after good work by Alex Pritchard. Sunderland began to grow in confidence in their first away game in the Championship since April 2018, as Sims had a penalty appeal waved away after an hour before forcing a superb point-black save from Bentley, a minute later after Clark's pullback. Ten minutes later, Sunderland were ahead again, the impressive Clark setting Pritchard free down the wing and his cross was headed home by Scotland forward Stewart for his first goal of the season. City should have levelled soon after, but Ballard superbly blocked by Atkinson while Martin turned an 85th minute cross wide from two yards out. 
Burnley 1, Luton Town 1. Vincent Company's Burnley recovered from the shock of conceding an early goal to earn a draw at home to the ever-difficult Luton Town. The Hatters took the lead through defender Dan Potts after the Clarets were unable to, con- uh, unable to clear a corner. Home fans had to wait until after the break for an equaliser as midfielder Josh Brownhill beat keeper Ethan Horvath with a low shot from outside the box. It was their only effort on target in the match, and with striker J. Rodriguez again absent because of a hamstring problem, it is a problem company really must look to address. Only two permanent managers, Jimmy Mullen and Sean Dyche, have won their first two games in charge of Burnley, and company named an unchanged starting lineup following the win at Huddersfield eight days earlier, with new signing Manuel Benson from Belgium club Royal Antwerp on the bench. It was Luton, though, who began on the front foot in the first league meeting between the two sides since 2007, and they went in front when Potts converted IG's Adebayo's knockdown. The Clarets struggled to find the fluency they showed against Huddersfield, and a Brownhill shot which flew wide was the closest they came before the interval. A warning to Luton that they must not give him time and space around the box. But we'll come back to that later. The second half was only five minutes old when Ashley Barnes played the ball to Brownhill just outside the box, and this time the midfielder drive, uh, midfielder's drive found the bottom corner. Barnes was too high with a header as Brownhill tried to return the assist favour, and new signing Manuel Benson, on as a substitute, shot over from 12 yards. Luton boss Nathan Jones made a switch in personnel, sending on Carlton Morris and Corley Woodrow, two strikers both signed from Barnsley, but Morris was, sh- was shown a yellow card for a foul on Ian Matson. It was Jordan Clark who produced their best effort of the second half, saved by Aaron Murich, and they had begun the new campaign with two draws. For the, pers- for the first time this season, let's listen to former Glover's favourite, Nathan Jones. Uh, Nathan, a, a battling performance worthy of a point? Definitely, because they have possession, but they, they dominate possession, and, that, and they will do that in the Championship this year. They'll dominate possession. Um, but apart from that, I felt we had better situations, actually, especially first half. Um, it, it, and, and I'm just disappointed we didn't take advantage of that. We had real, real good situations. And if we'd been slightly better in terms of uh, in possession, because when we won it back, we turned it over too quickly. You need to have one, two passes, and you're in at their back in at their back two and that's why we kept two up, up top and I felt we could have hurt them a lot more but we, we didn't do that but look so battling performance I thought we defended wonderfully you know they, they may have a lot of situations around the box but nothing clear cut the only chances they had from outside the box were shots and I thought we defended wonderfully well I mean you have to do that in the championship and uh, and these are a good side we've plenty of teams who come here um, and once they go they, they concede a goal they'll crumble and there was no sign of that no and I'm really disappointed with the goal because we had it's ironic as we said if we can just literally as soon as we win it back get hold get hold of it make one or two passes you'll get chances and we did we won it back and we gave it away twice on a counter-attack you know Harry gave it away twice on a counter-attack and that allowed him to have a bit of pressure then even the goal they, they put the ball in the box we can clear that easily Elijah slices his clearance so it's just if we'd done the basics right we wouldn't even concede that and then it would have been a wonderful wonderful win but look, this is a, this is a good point that not many will come here and and have the opportunities that we did but also play like we did so so look I, I'm pleased overall because you know I know we haven't won yet but at this stage last year we had three points we beat Peterborough lost to West Brom but we've should have won the first game and today I thought we had a real good point perfect start yeah 
you know, it's not perfect because six points should be perfect. But look, sorry, perfect. Start with the goal. Sorry. Ah, oh, perfect stuff today. Yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, um, real good. And we front-footed right from the off. Got it. And got opportunities. Then finally got the goal. And we started really, really well. And then we've got in behind them. We've had opportunities like John Clark's had opportunities to slide people in. Get, been a bit too eager to force the play and acting and didn't. And if we just had a little bit more composure, then look, we we, we, we could have could have hurt them more and, and that's what I'm disappointed with but I can't be too disappointed they're, you know, if I play to them they're, they're a real good side they, they control possession dominate possession um, spent really well in terms of their recruitment and I said it's a tough place to come but we haven't been beaten so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a good point you brought Harry calling it back in um Pacing behind, well, a bit of everything really. You know, I know, I know what I'm going to get off from from my team and uh, in, in in terms of stuff. I know Harry and Elijah were excellent for me last year in terms of out of possession pressing. They know the shape, they know what we do. The others are just gathering gathering momentum. Carlton, Corley Woodrow, people like that. I, I will will get there and stuff. So that's what I did today. Um, uh, Carlton thought was outstanding last week. Um, obviously, different game to, to to today. So look, I just pick a team for. Um, for what I think and yeah pacing behind but Carlton's quick Elijah's quick we've got pace and, and athleticism in the team so um, yeah no 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 no. just really pleased today because you could have crumbled you could have and you could have let it go in Edisty but we didn't we started well took the sting out of the game scored frustrated them a little bit and then just really disappointed with the timing of the goal and the manner that's, that's the only thing Okay Bosho um, I mean you made it particularly two fantastic challenges um, but then went off injured is he no it's cramp really so cramp so we, we, we you know we couldn't really have that and we had Henry Lansbury there to, to come on and to, to see the game out and, and stuff and I thought we did you know I thought we saw the game out really well and as I said this is a tough tough place to come um, you've got to play well you've got to defend well because of how they play and the people they've got and look they've Obviously, they've lost uh, a, a, a few players, invested really well in, in some real talent. So they're going to be tough, tough side to play against. I have a feeling we'll be listening to Nathan Jones a lot this season. Preston North End nil, Hull City nil. To little surprise, little was seen at Deepdale as Preston were held to a goalless draw by Hull City. The host created more chances and nearly went ahead on uh, early on, but Emil Riche's left-footed dive, uh, drive was saved by visiting goalkeeper Matt Ingram. Preston piled on the pressure in the second half, and Robbie Brady's shot from outside the box rattled the post after taking a deflection. Troy Parrott looked certain to break the deadlock to put North End ahead when he found himself through on goal in the closing minutes. But the on-loan Tottenham striker had one too many touches and Tigers goalkeeper Ingram managed to get a hand on the ball before it was cleared off the line by Jacob Greaves. Hull defender Louis Coyle had a couple of efforts off target, but Preston's goalkeeper Freddie Woodman remained largely untroubled. Preston have now failed to score in both their league games, while Hull were pleased to escape with a point to add to their opening weekend win after withstanding wave after wave of attacks in the second half. Queen's Park Rangers 3, Middlesbrough 2. QPR earned their first points of the season as they held off a strong Middlesbrough fight back to claim a narrow win at Loftus Road. Chris Willock scored a spectacular opener, driving forward and shrugging off two defenders before smashing a shot into the top corner before James Dunn headed in Elias Chair's corner to double the lead. It was 3-0 when Lyndon Dykes stooped to head in with Stefan Johansson's free kick before Matt Crooks' bullet header gave the visitors some hope before the break. 
Marcus Force's close-range finish on his first start made it 3-2, and an equaliser was chalked off when Paddy McNair's effort was ruled out for offside, but Burroughs' Dara Lenahan was sent off in stoppage time. The sides produced nine goals in their two league meetings last season, and the pattern continued in a goal-laden opening hour. Rangers failed to land a shot on target in their league opener at Blackburn, and manager Michael Beale's three changes worked as Willock and Dunn both found the net inside 30 minutes. Rangers had lost four of their final five home matches in a dismal end to last season, but in Beale's first match in charge at Loftus Road, it was a very different story. It was a stunning first-half display, Dykes capping it with his 13th, uh, by ending his 13-game goal drought. Borough have won just one of their last nine meetings, but gave themselves real hope when Crooks powered in a header and then crossed for force to make it 3-2 with more than 30 minutes left to play. The visitors were much improved after the break, and only the assistant referee's flag denied Paddy McNair from hauling them level from Ryan Giles' cross. But late on, it was the hosts who went closest to the game's sixth goal of the encounter, as Albert Adomar flashed an effort wide before Lenahan saw red when his foul denied Macaulay Bon a clear run on goal. Reading 2, Cardiff City 1. A stunning second-half strike from Tomins helped Reading come from behind to beat Cardiff City. The visitors dominated the opening exchanges after Callum O'Dowder headed them in, uh, headed them into an early lead. Shane Long equalised with a penalty after Ince was brought down by Curtis Nelson. The Royals applied increasing pressure after the break, and although chances were scarce, they were secured victory in style as Ince let fly with a 25-yard thunderbolt. Having lost at Blackpool on the opening weekend, this was a spirited performance from Reading, and they embark on what manager Paul Ince predicted to be a tough season following the club's transfer embargo and further financial struggles. As for Cardiff, boss Steve Morrison will rue his team's squandering of a fine opportunity to build on their unexpected victory over Norwich City last Saturday. This is a new-look Bluebirds side after a summer of flux in which 14 new signings arrived and 10 senior players departed. It was one of those off-season recruits, Gallimore Dowder, who put them ahead in the fourth minute as he nodded in at the back post from Ryan Wintle's free kick. O'Dowda almost had a second soon afterwards, but after being teed up by Shea Ojo, his low shot was well saved by Reading keeper Joe Lumley. It was a bright start from the visitors, with Ryan D- Wintle dictating play from the base of midfield and O'Dowda and Ojo threatening on the break. However, the momentum of the encounter soon swung in Reading's direction as they were gifted an equaliser. Cardiff centre-back Cedric Kipri misjudged a header from a long ball, allowing Ince to run in behind to take the ball past keeper Ryan Alsop. As soon Ince then shaped to shoot, he was pulled back by Nelson who conceded a penalty, but was fortunate only to be shown a yellow card with no covering defender in sight. Reading supporters bayed for a red card, but had to be content with a spot kick, which the returning long uh, struck into the bottom corner to score his first on his first start for the Royals exactly 11 years since his last. The leveller gave the hosts fresh impetus, and they should have led when Andy Yeardum's te- teasing low cross was fired over from close range by Nesta Guinness-Walker. Cardiff seemed to compose themselves again in the early stages of the second half, but Reading continued to grow in confidence, and they took the lead in spectacular fashion. Ince picked up possession around 30 yards out, took a touch forward and allowed the ball to bobble in front of him before unleashing a fierce strike into the top corner. Can't help but feel his dad in the dugout was over the moon. 
Neither side offered much in the attack from that point, with Cardiff increasingly direct and desperate in their search for an equaliser, while Reading were happy to hold on to their lead and a well-earned first win this season. Sheffield United 2, Millwall 0. Sheffield United bounced back from an opening day defeat with a comfortable win over Millwall at Bramall Lane. After struggling to create chances in defeat at Watford, Illiman Ndai gave the Blades an early lead, planting a firm right-footed shot into the corner of the net. And midway through the first half, it was 2-0 when John Fleck seized on Charlie Cresswell's poor miscue and squared to Sander Berg, who rounded goalkeeper Bart Bielakowski and slotted in. Bielakowski prevented further damage by saving Ollie Norwood's first half penalty kick after Jake Cooper had tripped Rianne Brewster. Having failed to find the target and struggled to carve out chances in defeat at Watford, the Blades had Manchester City loanee James McAtee on the bench and they were 2-0 up at, uh, and cruising by the midway stage of the first half. Lions defender Creswell, on loan from Leeds, had been the two-goal hero of an encouraging 2-0 win, uh, opening day win but discovered how quickly fortunes can change with a glaring mistake for the Blake's second goal. The visitors' generous defending continued while Jamie Shackleton's careless crossfield pass gave Brewster a run on goal, forcing Cooper to concede a spot kick. His blushes were spared by a diving penalty stave by Billy Lukowski, who had earlier done well to block a close-range strike from debutant defender Anil Agmok-Hodzvich. The, Ly- the Lions were knocked out of the EFL Cup at League One side Cambridge in midweek and huffed and puffed for a way back after the break. However, they were unable to seriously test homekeeper Wes Fodringham, Michael Wallace firing the best chance wide. Stoke City 2, Blackpool 0. Stoke City earned their first three points of the season with Harry Clark and Jacob Brown giving a deserved championship victory over Blackpool. Defender Clark, on loan from Arsenal, nodded Josh Tierman's far post cross past Daniel, Grimshaw to give the Potters a first-half lead. The Seasiders improved in the second half, with Josh Bowler going close to equalising shortly after the restart. Stoke missed several chances to double their lead before Brown grabbed a second at the near post with 15 minutes remaining. Dwight Gale, who joined from Newcastle last month, registered the first effort on goal for the hosts after 13 minutes, but Grimshaw was equal to the striker's shot. Blackpool had to weather plenty of early pressure before Gary Medine sent a glancing header wide, and that was the forward's final action of the game as he pulled up with an injury and was replaced by Theo Corbinou. Stokes' Josh Laurent then rattled the bar with a fierce effort before the tangerines went close at the other end when Jerry Yates marginally failed to get on the end of a Sonny Kerry's ball across goal. Michael O'Neill's side went ahead when Clark's head, uh, headed in Tiamon's deep cross from a close range to score the Potters' first goal of the season. The visitors started the second half much improved and their most dangerous player, Josh Bowler, fired narrowly wide after driving run into the box. Bowler was causing problems for the Stoke defence and it was clipped on the edge of the penalty area on the hour mark, but Blackpool failed to take advantage of the promising attacking position as Luis Fiorini's free kick was headed away. Stoke twice went close to doubling their lead in quick succession when Aidan Flint placed a header over the bar from Tierman's free kick before Grimshaw made a fine reaction save to deny Gale a first goal for his new club. However, the second goal seemed like a matter of time, and it duly arrived as another dangerous team on cross was swept home by Brown. And with the final Saturday game, we have Swansea City 0, Blackburn Rovers 3. Blackburn Rovers made it six points from six in this season as they cruised to victory at Swansea. 
Sammy Schmodix swept Blackburn in front 39 minutes into his debut before join, uh, having joined Peter for this week. Ben Berriton Diaz then claimed his first of the season with a classy finish just before the hour. Swansea already looked beaten by the time Lewis Travis's drive rounded off a fine day for the Rovers late on. New Blackburn boss, Jon Dahl Thomason, has enjoyed a perfect first week in the Championship, but Swansea head coach Russell Martin is left with work to do after an uninspiring performance from his team. Swansea, who looked short of attacking threat, have only one point from their first two games of the campaign. This was a meeting of one team who evidently remain a work in progress after a year under Martin, and another who were getting used to life after Tony Mowbray. The Thomason era began with an opening day victory and a clean sheet against QPR. There were more good news for Blackburn in a tepid first half, as the Swansea.com stadium, that's the liberty to you and I, where the hosts control the ball, but Rovers took the charge of the scoreboard. Swansea only once looked like scoring when Michael Obafemi stretched ahead Ryan Manning's cross up in the air, while Joel Latibiaduru looked, after, uh, looked better placed at the far post. Joel Perui latched onto the loose ball, but could only flash a shot narrowly wide. Rovers rarely threatened either, but went ahead when Jay Fulton was dispossessed by Ryan Hedges' deep into the Swansea territory. Yes, that is the former Yeovil, Ryan Hedges. Hedges showed good composure, stepping inside Fulton's attempted recovery challenge and teeing up Schmodix to stroke Rovers into the lead from 15 yards. Swansea almost levelled early in the second half when Latibiradero centred for the uh, centred for Perui, but his volley was parried by Tom Kaminsky. Just as the home side found some momentum in the first half, Blackburn doubled their lead. Swansea Academy product Hedges claimed another assist for Rovers as he picked out Berrett and Diaz, whose first touch took him beyond home debutant Nathan Wood. The Char- Chilean international score of 22 Blackburn goals last season coolly lifted his shot over the advancing Andy Fisher. Swansea tried to respond with Perui denied by Kaminsky at the near post before Jamie Patterson's cross, close cross shot was cleared from the under the bar by Tayo Edun. But any slim chances of a home revival were stamped out by a sharp Blackburn encounter with Tyree Stolen teeing up skipper Travis to drill in his second goal of the season. This is Three Valleys Radio. Check out our website at www.threevalleysradio.com. Moving to Sunday now, we have Coventry City versus Rotherham United postponed. A rare occurrence so early into the season, but the decision to postpone the match between the Sky Blues and the Millers was taken on Saturday due to an unplayable surface. As many of you will know, the Coventry Stadium has been used extensively over the last few weeks, hosting the Rugby Sevens at the Commonwealth Games. An event I had the pleasure of attending last Sunday, and in all honesty, the pitch didn't look too bad by the end of the gold medal matches. The sidelines looked more tired than usual for an August afternoon, but certainly not to the point of it being unplayable. Coventry's CEO has since come out and said the arena, and its owner, Wasps Rugby, had promised investments in the pitch and that had not yet arrived. This truly highlights one of the many perils of not owning your own stadium. A rescheduled date has not been fixed yet. With West Brom and Watford not playing until Monday night, we can't feature them in tonight's programme, so let's take a look at the championship table as it stands. On the condition Watford don't win tonight, Blackburn Rovers are the only team to take all points available after only two games, which is frankly startling. Sunderland making a good start to life back in the championship in second place, having scored five goals already. At the bottom end, only two teams are yet to pick up points, and that is unfortunately Bristol City and Huddersfield Town. 
but I wouldn't go sounding the alarm bells quite yet. We still have 44 games to go. Hey, are you going to the Yeovil Ukulele Festival? Sunday the 4th of September at Haysbury Mill near Crookern. 11 o'clock in the morning till 9 at night with big acts from the ukulele world including Plastic Jesus, Tricity Vogue, The Hedge Inspectors, 80s icon Sam Brown, Pete Brown, Hester Goodman from the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain and local duo in sync. Now there's a famous talky queen, she looks a flapper on the screen, she's more like... Tickets are available from the website www.yovelukulele.club and on the door. And it's all in aid of Mind in Somerset. There'll be performances across two stages, workshops, strum and sing-alongs, trade stands, food, raffle and more. So make sure you get there. September the 4th at Hazelbury Mill near Krugard. So with the championship all done and dusted, in slightly longer than I normally do, we move on to League One. Barnsley 1, Cheltenham Town 0. Luke Thomas scored the only goal as Barnsley beat Cheltenham at Oakwell, with new boss Michael Duff securing his first league victory against his former club. Wade Elliott's side had, uh, made her, had the first clear chance after a Taylor Perry cross found the feet of Dan Lundeloo, who shot wide from inside the box. Duff was first into, forced into an early change, eight minutes out from the break, as he injured Nicky Caden was replaced by Luke O'Connell. Barnsley had the ball in the back of the net four minutes after the interval, as captains Mads Anderson tapped home, only to see the goal ruled out for offside. A minute later, Liam Kitching heading over, headed over after meeting James Norwood's cross. The winner came in the 66th minute when Thomas drove forward after intercepting a loose Cheltenham pass, hitting a fierce strike into the left side of the goal to beat Luke Southwood. Kitching almost added a second goal into the final minute when his effort went just over the bar. Bolton Wanderers 3, Wickham Wanderers 0. Carl Dempsey netted his first Bolton goals as Ian Everts' impressive side beat Wickham to maintain an unbeaten start to the League One campaign. Dempsey had not scored since his, he was on target for Gillingham against the Trotters last October. But he ended his drought after 15 minutes following good approach play by Liverpool lonely Connor Bradley. Aaron Morley, whose penalty earned a Bolton 1-1 opening day point at Ipswich, doubled the lead from Depo Alfayan's exquisite pass four minutes after half-time. Bolton went down 2-0 in the last in 2-0 in last season's corresponding fixture, but lost just three of their remaining 23 games, whilst Wickham went on to reach the playoff final. Gareth Ainsworth's visitors were largely second best this time, though Lewis Wing's shot uh, stuck and upright with the score still at 1-0. Yes, former Yeovil, Lewis Wing. Anis McMetty almost headed a Gareth McCleary cross onto the top of the net after Wickham had fallen to further into arrears. Bolton continued to bossed the game after half-time and Dempsey secured a sealed victory after 66 minutes drilling home Amadeo Bakioko's superb through ball. Burton Albion nil, Bristol Rovers 4. 
Bristol Rovers inflicted a hammering on 10-man Burton, who saw Connor Shaughnessy's red card inside the first minute. The Albion defender was penalised for a foul on Aaron Collins just outside the box, and referee Ross Joyce had no hesitation in producing the red card. Rovers had never won at Burton in six previous attempts, but promptly set about putting that right as Anthony Effen swept home from the free kick that followed Shaughnessy's dismissal. The former Everton midfielder then had time and space to pick out a defender, James Connolly, at the back post to sweep home and have the visitors two up inside 12 minutes. Albion had been three down at Wickham in the season open last season, and this was worse as Collins fired in the quick fire at Brace in four minutes before half-time, both times finding space on the left-hand side of the box to beat belaggered keeper Ben Garrard. John Marquis planted a header against the crossbar as the visitors went in search for a fifth in the second half, but could not inflict any more damage on Albion. Charlton Athletic won, Derby County nil. Corey Blackett-Taylor scored the only goal as Charlton recovered from a slow start to beat the profligate Derby at the Valley and stay unbeaten after two matches. The home side were fortunate to be level after the interval after Liam Rossini's county created and wasted a slew of chances in the South London heat. The main culprit was striker James Collins, who guided his ninth-minute shot too close to Charlton keeper Joe Wallacott, and then struck another effort against the base of the post in the final act of the first half. The lively Nathaniel Mendes-Lang also tested Wallacott on two occasions as Derby dominated. Charlton capitalised on those let-offs in the 62nd minute as Charlie Kirk felled Albie Morgan, whose rising shot was parried carelessly into the path of Blackett-Taylor by Derby keeper Joe Wildsmith and the winger tapped into an empty net with glee. Albie Morgan, whose astute game management drove Charlton on in the second period, almost made it 2-0, but his low shot was turned around the post by Wildsmith. Let's listen to Derby interim boss Liam Rossinia. Liam, are you scratching your head how you lost that one? Because the chances that you created, the football that you played, deserve so much more today. Yeah, I think you said it. I mean... It would have been tough to take had we drew the game, uh, but to lose the game to a counter-attack when we had so much control, so much dominance and so many chances created, it's a, it's a bit of a pill to swallow, to be honest with you. But there are positive signs. I think the players got a good gauge again of what this league is about. If you don't take your chances and if you don't keep the back door shut with all of your dominance, you can get punished. And we did today and hopefully that's a lesson I've learnt, the players have learnt and, and we move forward and, and make sure that the performance level stays the same. We get the right result at the end of it. Talk to me about that first 45 minutes because you were so dominant. The chances that you created, you did everything but score. It's really difficult for me to talk to you about because that's the football I want to play. That's what I believe in. I think we had complete control of possession. We created numerous chances. We played some outstanding football at this level. I think Charlton didn't know what to do, but we have to score at the end of it. And that's not putting pressure on our strikers, but the amount of corners that we had, I'm expecting one of our maybe centre-halves to get their head on it. Um, but it's something to work on and something will improve. But I think what's really pleasing for me in terms of the process of the last four weeks is you can see improvements all the time. That was a much better performance than against Oxford and we beat Oxford 1-0. So that's the league. If we maintain that performance level, I think we could be in for a really exciting season. You just need to take your chances exactly. when you're on top though, don't you? And even so in the second half, Jason Knight had that header as well. There were, there were so many moments and 
I know it's probably difficult standing here now looking at the bigger picture, but the bigger picture is you're creating chances, you're playing good football, and when you do that, results will come. I think that's it. I think, I think I'm always a believer in the process and performance. And when you get that right over 46 games, you will normally end up where you, where you deserve to be. So it was one of those days for us today, as frustrating as it is, but I need the players to believe in what we do. I need the fans to see and believe in what we do and see the amount of chance we create today. Thank you for them to, for coming because they came a long way on a hot day and they were absolutely magnificent. But I think you can see our identity. You can see the way that I want to play. We just need to get the ball in the back of the net. In terms of that identity and philosophy, are you pleased with how quickly it seems to be sort of knitting together? Because we've yeah. spoken a lot about how quick pre-season was and the limited time that you had, the volume of players that have come in as well. It's really hard for me to say how happy I am when we lose a game one. No, I want to win games of football. So in terms of the result, no. But in terms of the performance, the understanding and the application of the players, I thought, again, they gave it their all. You know, there were times where we had so much control that I was worried that we not complacency, but you, you have so much control in a game, so much dominance that you end up switching off. And we did that for the goal. And that's something that over time and with fitness again, that you can overcome. But for where we are, performance level was great. As frustrating as it is, the result was not what we wanted it to be. As you mentioned earlier, it's just got to be a learning curve. Everything's a learning curve. We, we won against Oxford. That was a learning curve in the way that we work. We lose today. We go to we play Mansfield on Tuesday. We play Barnsley at home on Saturday. If we can get six points from three games, that's the average you need for promotion. So it's not the end of the world. But I am very, very frustrated and, and angry at the same time that we lost the game today. You mentioned Mansfield. In terms of what you're looking to do with the squad, is, is the Carabao Cup. So are you thinking changes, or are you looking to get match minutes into the players that have been playing today? Or is it trying to find that balance? I think it's finding the balance. We'll have a look. There's a few knocks, but he's just got ice on his ankle, um, and we need to make sure that the players who didn't play today are fit and ready to go as well. I want competition for places, and we lost the game today, so it's an opportunity for the lads if they do come in to state their claim for the shirt. You know, I thought again. Sorry, I have to say, Louis Sibley comes on, makes a fantastic impact, and he was really, really close to starting today so that's what I want in this squad um, we've still got a lot of work to do in terms of bringing a couple more bodies in but where we're, where we're at in terms of the squad the togetherness and, and the style of play that we're implementing I'm actually quite happy as, as frustrating as it is to say and just lastly Lewis Dobbin came on you got him yeah. through the door you were desperate to get him through the I door was. How pleasing was it to get him out there? And you yeah. know that he's going to be playing a big part this season. He's going to play a huge part. And again, he's someone who's been away in America. He's not had a full game, so you need to gauge his fitness. Uh, we need to build that up um, over the next few weeks and the next month. But I think you showed you showed already at times his, his speed, his quality. He had a good chance that he, he tried to take early and he's going to be a huge asset to us moving forward. Clearly a very disappointed man there. A tough day for Derby, but I think they're still in a great position. As you will have heard, I believe there to be very few managers who are more intelligent and speaks more eloquently than Liam Rossinia here in the Football League. Exeter City 4, Port Vale 0. Giovanni Brown struck twice as Exeter turned in a stylish performance to thrash Port Vale in their first League One home game for 10 years. Harry Kite opened the scoring in the 24th minute, and the goal of the season competition may as well end there. The Exeter City graduate set himself up from a looping clearance and connected sweetly with a sensational first-time volley that flew into the far corner from 20 yards out. In the 37th minute, Jack Sparks did well to spin Sammy Robinson, who clipped his heels in the box for a penalty, which Giovanni scored by sending Adam Stone the wrong way from 12 yards. Robinson had a chance of redemption on the stroke of half-time, but his fierce shot was superbly saved by Exeter debutant Jamal Blackman in the Grecian's goal. Samuel Nomb should have made it 3-0. 
but he fired wide when clean through. However, in the 72nd minute, he turned provider by crossing for Brown to calmly slot in his second of the game. Nomb then added the fourth in the 75th minute, turning and finishing from close range for a long Alex Hartridge throw, and it could have been more with the substitute Josh Coley missing two good chances. Fleetwood Town 2, Plymouth Argyle 1. Fleetwood grabbed their first win of the season as substitute Joe Garner's 88th minute strike sealed victory against Plymouth. Garner had only been on the field for seven minutes when he slammed home a rebound from close range after goalkeeper Michael Cooper only parried Kean Hayes' initial strike. Fleetwood striker Ellis Harrison was denied early on as Cooper saved well from point-blank range. And it was Argyle who went in front midway through the first half as Ryan Hardy slotted home from a penalty spot after Toso Niasilala was penalised for tripping Ballymumba. Dan Batty levelled it up soon after when he drilled home an angled strike following Sean Rooney's neat pass. Shortly before the break, Plymouth skipper Joe Edwards headed narrowly wide while er early in the second period. Fleetwood keeper Jay Lynch superbly kept out Mumbo's fierce shot. Argyle then had luck on their sides when Edwards volleyed Rooney's sharp cross against his own post when attempting to clear. Danny Mayer went close for Argyle before Garner struck for Fleetwood late on to nick victory. Forest Green Rovers 1, Ipswich Town 2. Ipswich overcame League One new boys Forest Green with a routine away victory. Goals in the first half from Marcus Harness and Sam Morsey handed Kieran McKenna's Tractor Boys their first win of the new season. Rovers improved after the break with substitute Josh Marsh pulling a goal back in the 65th minute. In their first ever third-tier home game, Rovers started brightly enough with Regan Hendry fizzing over. However, Ipswich nosed in front on the 37th minute as Harness drove in after a period of pinball in the box. Deep into the first half stoppage time, Morsey had afforded time a space to bend a sumptuous strike over Luke McGee from the edge of the box. Rovers got back into the match with 25 minutes to go. March tucking the ball home after a substitute Amani Little had seen his strike blocked. Christian Walton kept Ipswich's noses in front by parrying a March volley and blocked substitute Sean Robertson's follow-up. March thought he'd grabbed an equaliser for Rovers, but the offside flag spared Ipswich as Rovers looked for a parity. Rovers were baying for a red card when March pulled back, uh, pulled back by Cameron Burgess, who escaped with a yellow as Ipswich successfully navigated the nine minutes of added time. MK Dons nil, Sheffield Wednesday won. The pre-reported big match of the week was decided by a Josh Windass penalty to seal the win for Sheffield Wednesday. Both teams have suffered playoff disappointment last term and it turned out to be a scrappy affair, which ended with the hosts' second defeat in two games of the new campaign. Wednesday were awarded a penalty after 20 minutes when Ethan Robson was judged to have fouled Windass, who picked himself up to send Jamie Cumming the wrong way. Fasei Delibesheru then had a big chance to double the Owls' lead right on half-time after shrugging aside Daniel Okigogi, but Cumming stood strong to make an important save. MK Dons created little in the first half, and they forced David Stockdale into two good saves in quick succession with Matt from Matt Smith and Dean Lowington. Stockdale then produced an even better stop to keep out Dan Kemp's effort at the halfway point of the second half as the hosts wait for the first goal of the season went on. 
fed up with boring radio? Oh, yeah. Then Three Valleys Radio has to be their station for you. They play a really good mix between, like, the modern tunes and, like, all the old stuff and stuff, so it's really great to listen to. You get a good mix, and, like, the presenters are really awesome. Yeah, and, like, hardly any adverts, which is fab. Oxford United won, Cambridge United nil. The unofficial University derby saw Tyler Goodrum score a stunning individual goal deep into stoppage time to give Oxford victory over Cambridge and their first points of the season. Teenager Goodrum cut in from the left, dribbling past three defenders, and then curled a shot into the far top corner to deny Cambridge what would have been a third clean sheet from three league and cup games at the start of this campaign. Mark Bonner's side, who had backed up their opening day win with a midweek Carabao Cup victory over Millwall, created all the chances in the first half. Sam Smith saw his chip over Simon Eastwood drift wide after he skilfully turned two defenders. Harvey Nibs is side-footed wide five yards out from Simon Trussey's cross and Harrison Dunk fired narrowly over from long range. Oxford's first real opportunity came from when Marcus Brown felt he was bundled over by Lloyd-Jones, but the referee waved away his pleas for a penalty. Matty Taylor fired tamely wide at the start of the second half as the home side struggled to create much against a very organised Cambridge outfit. Keeper Dimitar Mitov acrobatically kept out two headers at corners from centre-half Elliot Moore and Taylor before Goodrum's stunner. Peterborough United 3, Morecambe nil. Ben Thompson and Hector Kipiranyu marked their full Peterborough debuts with goals in a rout of Morecambe. The posh duo opened their account as Grant McCann's men continued a perfect start to life back in League One. The home side hit the front when Joe Ward's 25-yard blast flummoxed Connor Ripley in the ninth minute before more convincing goalkeeper from posh loney Lurkus Birdstrom preserved that advantage as he denied Cole Stockton. Posh doubled their lead in the 43rd minute when Thompson struck with the aid of a deflection after Ripley kept out a fierce Johnson Clark Harris free kick and a Jack Taylor followed up was blocked. Clark Harris thought he had won a penalty 10 minutes into the second half after being tripped by Ripley, but a raised flag came to Morecambe's rescue after referee Dean Whitestone initially pointed to the spot. Ripley then made a fine save from Clark Harris before being beaten again in the 72nd minute, when Kipiyanu registered the first Football League goal of his career with a cool finish. Let's listen to disappointed Shrimps boss Derek Adams. Well, Derek, a 3-0 defeat to Peterborough today. Just your thoughts on the game, really? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a good performance from us this afternoon. I thought that, um, you know, we caused Peterborough, you know, trouble at times and really got into their penalty area. Good number of opportunities we didn't take them and uh, unfortunately you know for us um, they scored a goal probably against their own play at that moment in time in the game uh, a shot from over 20 yards that uh, goes in and that was unexpected because we had looked like we were taking care of Marriott and uh, Clark Harris and we had taking care of the central midfield players as well and we all know how good a side that Peterborough are and uh, I think the players you know get into really good areas Hunter you know, Weir, Taylor, uh, were causing them problems. Cole Stockton should score. He's uh, one and one with the goalkeeper at nil-nil. So that uh, we should have done better at. Connor should save it. You know, his left-hand side. Uh, he was uh, a long, long way from goal, and uh, you know, should have saved it. Talk about fine lines all the time. Connor maybe should have saved that. Then Cole could have scored to make it one-one. It's those fine lines so far. You're just not quite getting right. 
No, I mean, listen, we're coming up against a team that's come down from the, the Championship, a very good side. Uh, you look at the, the players they took on and uh, you look at um, the way that they play. But I thought that we caused them trouble at times. We kept the ball, we passed it. Sometimes uh, we didn't. But uh, you know, that's all about uh, getting better and uh, there's a lot to build on. Weir and Taylor came in for their debuts. How do you think they did? Yeah, very well. I thought that uh, you're not easy coming in away from home to to Peterborough, but um, I think that both you know settled well into the game, used the ball well, played their position uh, exceptionally well, and um, gave us that base to go and play on. Hunter and Stockton linked well up at times. At other times, they didn't you know do the job on the, the, the flip side of running uh, with their centre halves. But you know that's the the nature of the game. But um, I think defensively, I thought delay. Rawson and Gibson were, were solid and uh, you know I think that they did well today. Looking at the chances, two games got no goals but three great chances. It's important to start taking them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, two games into a season, um, we've picked up one point. Uh, we've played against two uh, very good teams and uh, there's a long way to go. And we, we have to take the chances when they come along. We haven't today uh, and that's just the, the nature of football. Peterborough, no doubt they'll be up there at the end of the season, but uh, did you take heart from today? Well, I think all the supporters did. You heard their backing that they gave us for, for 90 minutes. They were fantastic. And, uh, you know, they've seen us playing a different style today because we had to. Uh, and then we had to change it. And uh, it probably the change didn't work as well as we had hoped. Uh, and uh, we probably didn't create as much when we, we, we made that change. But listen, that's football and uh, we move on now to the next game. We talked last week, you're still looking to bring in at least one new player. Any any signs of anything this week? No, listen, I, I, it's, it's very difficult for me because, as I've already said, that you know, a lot of the budget had gone uh, last year and uh, people were on two-year contracts. And now we're getting to a stage where we need to uh, allow players to leave. And uh, that has been the case, obviously, since the end of, of April. Uh, one player uh, has left us, but... Uh, at this moment in time you know it is very very difficult and Fleetwood next week of course a local derby early on in the season yeah they got a fantastic win today uh, against one of my old clubs which is uh, a great win for them disappointing you know for Agile but you know from our point of view looking forward to being at home again we've got Stoke uh, on Tuesday night in the EFL Cup and then uh, a terrific you know derby match against Fleetwood looking at the EFL Cup game against Stoke uh, how are you going to approach that one we're going to go in as strong as we possibly can. It's uh, a, a round that we would like to try and get through, uh, and we haven't got much to, to change it with. You can see that. You know, we've got um, limited numbers uh, in the squad. We had 18 with us today, and uh, that's the 18 that uh, will be with us uh, on Tuesday night. Portsmouth nil, Lincoln City nil. Portsmouth's first home game ended in an uninspiring goalless draw against Lincoln. Nearly 18,000 fans saw a dull game at Fratton Park, which tested the players' fitness in sweltering conditions. Five home debutants were unable to help break the deadlock in the first 45 minutes. Lincoln failed to have a single shot on target, whereas Pompey managed four. Rico Hackett had the best of those chances on 43 minutes, having two bites of the cherry. His first effort bounced off keeper Carl Rushworth, but his follow-up effort under pressure was way over the crossbar. The second half did not fare much better, although Pompey made four substitutions and Lincoln two. 
The chances brought the game to life, but the shots on target and goals failed to materialise as Pompey boss Danny Cowley was forced to settle for a point against his old club. And finally, Shrewsbury Town nil, Accrington Stanley won. Tommy Lee scored the winner as Accrington snatched a battling 1-0 win away over 10-man Shrewsbury. Midfielder Lee's 77th minute headed proved the difference between the two sides as Stanley made their one advantage pay. Defender Tom Flanagan was sent off in the 57th minute for a second yellow card after a silly foul, which ultimately cost the home side dear. Fellow defender Taylor Moore rifled a powerful right-footed shot wide over the left of the left post, with the hosts having started brightly before midfielder Tom Bayliss blasted wide. Harvey Rogers headed over for the visitors, while forward Ryan Bowman was thwarted by a fine save from Burnley loan keeper Lucas Jensen. Bowman had another great chance to break the deadlock not long after, but he dragged his shot wide at the far post. Scottish midfielder Ethan Hamilton tried his luck from distance, but Shrewsbury's Slovakian shotstopper Marco Morosi produced an excellent save to deny him. Jensen pulled off a superb save to block Julian de Costa's goalbound strike before Flanagan was sent off for a clumsy foul. Mitch Clark was provided the cross for Lee to win it for the visitors as they claimed their first victory of the League One season. So just like before, let's take a look at the League One table. Peterborough are the only club with two wins from two and sit at the top of the table with six points. Newly promoted Exeter are in second after a dominant win over Port Vale. Others on four points are Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton, Accrington and Ipswich. Three teams are yet to pick up a point and they all take up the relegation spots, which are Cheltenham, MK Dons and Burton Albion. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So with that, we move on to League Two. Uh, just, uh, just a few fixtures to go through, and we're a bit pushed to time, so we're going to go slightly faster, and you may get slightly more of me this week. I'm very sorry about that. Barrow 3, Spradford City 2. Barrow maintained their perfect start to the new season with a dramatic 3-2 victory over Bradford at Holker Street. Josh Gordon struck to the stoppage time winner straight after Andy Cook had equalised for his visitors to make it a maximum six points for Pete Wilde's side. After a dour first half, the game exploded into life with two goals in three minutes. Former Glover Ben Whitfield broke the deadlock in 63 minutes when he picked up Patrick Bruff's header and fired low past Keith Bradford keeper Harry Lewis on the edge of the D. 
Mark Hughes' Bantams levelled two minutes later. Cook and Ryan East combined to tee up Jake Young for an angled drive that hit the underside of the bar and bounced down over the line. Barrow restored their lead five minutes from time as Whitfield's corner was scrambled in by Josh Kay from close range. Bradford thought they had rescued a point when Cook pounced after Paul Fairman failed to hold Young's shot, but Gordon sealed it in the sixth minute of stoppage time. Colchester United won, Carlisle United won. Colchester and Carlisle had to settle for a point apiece after playing out an entertaining one-all draw. Colchester almost took a sixth-minute lead when Freddie Steers' shot clattered the, the inside of the post. But Carlisle came close after when, uh, after when Jack Armour's diving header flew inches wide and Colchester goalkeeper Sam Hornby then pulled off a fine save to de- deny striker Christian Dennis after Ryan Clampin had hit underhit a back pass. Colchester took a 19th-minute lead when Noah Chilvez collected Luke Hannant's pass and drilled a fine shot into the far corner of the net. But Carlisle refused to lie down. Dennis's low 25-yard effort was well saved by Hornby. And the Cumbrians deservedly equalised in the 44th minute, when Dennis glanced from a superb header, following Owen Moxon's excellent cross from the left. Colchester with a better side in the second half, and Carlisle keeper Thomas Holly made a fine save to deny Chilvez, but Hornby saved Armour's header late on as the match ended in a draw. Brawley Town nil, Leighton Orient won. Tom James hit his second goal in successive games as Leighton Orient made it two wins out of two with a League One victory over a 1-0 victory at Crawley. The hosts, beaten by the same scoreline at Carlisle in their opening game, again struggled for fluency and rarely threatened to get on terms. Crawley welcomed a bumper crowd of nearly 4,000 after the new owners reduced season ticket prices and new boss Kevin Betsy promised real positivity in his first home game in charge. The Reds threatened in the 19th minute when debutant Teddy Jenks set up former glover James Tilly, but he drilled a low shot wide of the post from 12 yards. Crawley defender George Frankham blocked a shot by George Moncur before a low drive from Theo Archibald was saved by Corey Adai, who was making his first EFL start. Orion took the lead in tremendous style only five minutes after the break, when Crawley only half cleared a corner, and fullback James unleashed an unstoppable shot from the edge of the area to record his second wonder goal in two games in front of the O's fans. Crawley later had a let-off when substitute Paul Smythe got cleaned through, but dragged his shot wide. Substitute Quezzi Apaya forced Lawrence Figaro to save in stoppage time, but the O's held on comfortably. Crew Alexander 3, Harrogate Town 0. Crew maintained their excellent start on returning to League 2 as they registered a comfortable 3-0 win over Harrogate. Their railwaymen dominated the first half and two set-piece goals just before the interval from Dan Agi and Kelvin Meller put them on path to their second win from their opening two games. Callum Ainley twice went close early on, driving past the foot of a post and then unleashing a first-time effort when just cleared the bar. When Peter Jamieson failed to hold on to on-loan Brentford winger Lachlan Brooks' angled shot, evasive action was needed from the visiting defender as the ball trickled goalwards. Cruz, Basala Sambu, went close in a curling effort, but it was from the dead ball that his side net made it count. Zach Williams headed a corner back across goal, and Aji thrust forwards and polished off a close-range header in the 44th minute. Then Harrogate were undone from f- another corner, which was met with a thundering far post header from Meller in stoppage time. 
The Yorkshire visitors emerged from their shell after the break, and Luke Armstrong glanced ahead at over the before the striker wriggled into space inside the box, only to lift his effort over. Jaheim Heedley smashed a shot into the side netting, but Crewe sealed victory in the 77th minute when substitute Courtney Baker Richardson followed up his initial effort, which was parried by Peter Jamieson and slotted into the corner of the net. Doncaster Rovers 2, Sutton United 1. Two goals in added time from George Miller and former Yeovil player Kieran Agard saw Doncaster complete a remarkable late turnaround for a 2-0-1 win over Sutton. The visitors looked to be on course for the win after Donovan Wilson's first half strike gave them an advantage they defended comfortably. But Miller flicked in a near post header from Tommy Rosecross in the second minute of stoppage time to level and Agard completed the about turn 90 seconds later. Miller headed on a ball over the top from Captain Adam Clayton, and Agard fired through the space for the winner. The hosts had struggled for a tapping spark until that stage, with their best efforts coming courtesy of powerful drives from Rowe, which Sutton goalkeeper Jack Rose dealt with relatively comfortably. Wilson drilled into the top corner from 10 yards in the 16th minute, after Louis-Jean hit, a post, uh, hit the post, sparking chaotic scenes in the D Doncaster box. Sutton's physicality proved to be an issue for the home side, who defended nervously for long periods. Visiting skipper, skipper, and yet again another former glover, Craig Eastmond, twice went close to extending their advantage before the break, when pouncing on loose balls in the Rovers' box. But don't you just take my word for it, let's listen to Doncaster boss Gary McSheffrey. Gary, quite a, a dramatic end to that one. Did you see any sign at all that that was how the game was going to pan out this afternoon? I just felt, you know, I felt it wasn't wasn't going to be our day. You know, they, they were managing the game really well. They were they were time wasting um, quite effectively, and we, we we didn't really we were huffing and puffing. We didn't really have the answers, um, and then but, but it was we weren't we weren't good enough today. But, but they were a difficult team to play against. You know, we we felt like we felt like we prepped quite well for them, but they even. They still shocked us a bit with, with, with how good they are at playing their game. Um, they're physical, they're well drilled, they, um, they've got good strikers, like the strikers, really good, um, and they're quick on the break. So, uh, set plays, they're good, you know, they, they, they really worked us and we had to problem solve and we rode our luck. They missed a couple of sitters first half and I was happy to go in one down, you know, and, and regroup, tweak a couple of things. We got a big chance at the start of the second half and Tommy Rowe. Game on, one one. But to leave it that late, it was just, it was just. I'm just delighted with the lads' resilience and the sort of never say die attitude because we lost a few here, like one nil last year, and we didn't really look like getting back into it. And even today, when we didn't, the George Miller's kept going, and, and you know he's not had a great game today, but he's got us the equaliser in the 91st, 92nd minute, whatever it was, and and then spawning behind again in the 94th minute to chest one off to Kieran and, and uh, it was it was a great great calm finish from Kieran so just delighted with the strikers to get the goals but the subs coming on were, were good with Bobby Faulkner he's 18 on Friday so what a weekend for him he'll never forget Tav's come on took the ball was brave and uh, Kieran come on and settled the game for us a bit his link up play was good calmed it down a bit but as it was getting on and on I, I, could I see us getting the, the clear cut chances not really but but we did, thankfully, and, and the momentum, the, the winning momentum, you know, is, was was there, and I'm just delighted with the resilience from the lads. Gillingham won, Rochdale nil. 
Scott Cashkit scored the winner on his home debut at Gillingham, claiming a deserved 1-0 victory over Rochdale at Priestfield. Two of the Jill's summer signings combined for the opener as an unmarked cash kick connect with Will Wright's free kick to head home after just nine minutes. Only a fingertip save from on-loan goalkeeper Glenn Morris prevented Rochdale midfielder Tumi Dijiogogo from scoring a quick-fire equaliser with a looping header. The host, uh, the host took control of the half from there and almost doubled their advantage when both Ollie Lee and Captain Sean Williams tested Dale keeper Richard O'Donnell from distance. O'Donnell kept his side in the game in the 65th minute as he brilliantly denied Ben Reeves after his energetic Jordan Green have cleverly created an opening. Chillingham striker Bickle Mandron also headed over after connecting with another pinpoint right delivery. The best chance for Robbie Stockdale's winless visitors is the second half fell to Femi Sariki, whose low shot from an acute angle was blocked by Williams. Hartlepool United nil, AFC Wimbledon nil. Hartlepool pressed the reset button and came away with a point from nil-nil draw at home to AFC Wimbledon. Thumped 4-0 at Walsall on the opening day, Pools were good value for a point against the visitors, who enjoyed a fine win over Gillingham last weekend. The first half was a tame affair, more akin to a pre-season friendly, and the Dons had the only chances. Ayuba Sal fired over from 25 yards after the Pools lost possession in the midfield and visitors should have scored. A low shot by Lee Brown was pushed out by goalkeeper Ben Killip, and Asal put it wide. But Hartlepool, under new boss Paul Hartley, took control in the second period against the Dons, who were relegated from League One last season. Poole's best moment came on the hour when Jack, Jake Hasty's cross caused chaos and was cleared from and from the corner goalkeeper Nick Tazanovev made two agile saves from close range. At the death, home centre-half Ewan Murray almost won it when his 25-yard shot crashed against the crossbar. Mansfield Town won, Tramia Rovers nil. Mansfield picked up their first pass of the points of the season following a battling 1-0 win over Tranmere in League 2 as Riley Harbottle's second-half header proved to be the difference in a game of few clear-cut chances. Rovers came close to opening the scorey after 30 minutes through Kane Hemmings before John Joe O'Toole had a shot cleared off the line. Paul Lewis missed a great chance to equalise when he scuffed a shot straight at the keeper in the closing stages. Tranmere had early penalty shouts waved away when Elliot Nevitt went down under pressure. Hiram Boteng had a shot saved after 11 minutes before Rhys McClear drilled over. Christy Pym saved from Hemmings following a poor back pass with 30 minutes gone. O'Toole had an attempt cleared off the line by Hemmings five minutes before the break. Mansfield broke the deadlock when Harbottle headed home following Boteng's 60 minutes corner. Pym made a good fingertip save to keep out Ethan Bristow. Lewis found space but only could fire tamely at Pym with five minutes to go. Newport County nil, Walsall one. Mike Flynn's return to Newport was a happy one as his Walsall side secured a narrow win at Robney Parade. The hosts thought they had taken the lead in the 12th minute when Aaron Wildig's bullet header beat Owen Evans, but the goal was ruled out for offside. Walsall took the mid lead midway through the second half as Mickey Dimitri turned the ball into his own net after Nick Townsend saved an initial header. Taylor Allen's red card set up a tense finish, but Walsall held on to win. Victory sees Walsall move top of League 2, while Newport remain on one point from two games and drop to 17th. Stevenage 2, Stockport County 1. 
Jamie Reed struck deep into injury time to complete a dramatic late Stevenage fight back as they claimed a 2-1 win at home to Stockport. County had looked like edging a scrappy game courtesy of a Callum Camp strike in the 58th minute. But after Saxon Early was flattened in the box with four minutes remaining, Luke Norris sent Bent Hitchcliffe the wrong way to level from the penalty spot. Stockport's Ash Palmer seeing his second yellow for the foul. It got even better for Borough as Early Early fed Reed to tap in the winner five minutes into stoppage time. That late drama came after a first half that produced plenty of endeavour but little goalmouth action. Burroughs' Jordan Roberts dragged a shot wide and Ray- Jamie Reeves' goalbound volley was tipped over by Hinchcliffe. At the other end, Stevenage goalkeeper Tay Ashby-Hammond ensured his side went into the break on level terms as he got down well to deny Yeovil favourite Paddy Madden. But the keeper was helpless to prevent Camp scoring just before the hour mark and when he collected a loose ball from a half-cleared cross. That looked to have won the game for newly promoted County before two late goals gave Stevenage a remarkable victory. And finally, Swindon Town nil, Salford City nil. Swindon rallied following the first half dismal uh, dismissal of Harry McCurdy to claim their first point of the season with a nil-nil draw at home to Salford. McCurdy felt he should have had a penalty after 25 minutes when Theo Vassell bundled him over in the box, but the referee waved away claims for a spot kick. Conor McElhenney nearly gave Salford the lead three minutes later when he shot wide from a Callum Hendry cutback and then he failed to make contact with the ball after a Luke Bolton picked him out just before the half-hour mark. Salford were then given a further boost when McCurdy was sent off before half-time. The Swindon forward received a second booking for a strong challenge just inside the Salford half, having booked for complaining to the referee earlier in the game. Despite being a man down, Swindon almost took the lead through Jacob Wakeling in the 53rd minute when he flicked a gloved favourite Romeo Hutton's cross just wide of the far post. After an hour, town goalkeeper Sol Bryn made a wonderful save to deny Hendry after he made a cross with a volley as Swindon held on for a point. And with that, we look at the League 2 table just before we finish. And unlike in the previous two leagues, we've got a few teams that have actually won both games uh, at the start of this campaign. Namely Walsall, with a goal difference of five, Crew, Leighton Orient, Barrow and Stevenage. Uh, filling out the rest of the playoff spots are AFC Wimbledon and Salford. At the other end of the table, four teams are yet to pick up any form of points. Uh, my pre-season favourite, Stockport County, are one of them. Slightly concerning, but everything will be fine. And they are joined by Rochdale, Tranmere Rovers and Crawley Town. And so with that, we conclude our final uh, matches and and thus brings the end to the EFL review with me, Adam Davis. Now, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, obviously, we start to make a bit of a, a trend of this now. Uh, what did you think? Uh, do you want more interviews, less interviews, uh, less of me? That's perfectly understandable. Um, and... Tell me what you think. I really enjoy making this and I'm really enjoying uh, the process we're going along the way. Uh, Tune in next week, obviously, for next week's EFL preview and the review following quickly afterwards where we've got a number of extra games as well as the remainder of the EFL Cup matches that that took place this week. But until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.